Welcome to the Good Friends and a Glass of Wine podcast. On this show, we take a lighthearted approach to learning about wine amongst friends. Hope you can join us for a glass or two. It's great to have you here for the fifth episode. For this one, we're moving to white wines as we try out Chardonnay. Before we move on to our Chardonnays, let's take a look back at the Merlots that we tasted on the last episode. As per usual, let's welcome back this show's regular guest, our good friend Stephen. Hi Sarah, thanks for having me back. Definitely tucked into the Merlots again. Great. Um, we we ended up, what was it, we had our, our French one and our Chilean one. Yeah, we um, had our French was the Chateau Lollerie Bergerac and the Chilean was the Antwerra, just for a recap. So the Bergerac went into a beef stew, which was nice. fantastic. Yes. Um, I I just I, I think with the with the Merlot uh, as compared to the Burgundy, mm-hmm. um, very much a, a, a nicer flavor when a job is cooking with the, the vegetables deglazing with with the red wine. Nice. Um, not, uh, like it seemed to have a lot more flavor kind of cooked. <laughs> Then, yeah. then drank, mm-hmm. um, and then the Chilean. Um, I ended up doing a but a, a mulled wine jam. Yes, yeah. So you basically you you turn it into a mulled wine, and then mm-hmm. you reduce it more, and then you put more sugar into it to turn it into a jam. Um, yeah. eventually, so that was wow, uh, delicious. But um, it, <laughs> so oh. it's been, it, it's caught me a few times though where you're cooking with wine. If you cook yeah. off the wine, you can't put your face into it because otherwise you just get a nostril <laughs> of alcohol. <laughs> just another another hit. Yeah, yeah um, I love how you're like bringing it into your food and you're cooking so much. It's great, like you know, rather than say freezing yeah. the wines or whatever, you know, that you're actually using it within your food. It's great. Yeah, because uh, I think if there's a if there's a wine that's uh, for good drinking, it's mm. usually gone within a certain yeah. distance now. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think there's there's so much to the reds. I, I actually find the whites easier to drink over the course of a week, whereas yeah. the reds. Oh, totally. I, I, yeah. yeah, I can't. It only works if you're sharing it with, you know, yeah. at least one or two other people. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm with you on that. Like from my side, same thing as you. Like we were saying the French wine was much nicer with a meal. And um, when we were recording that session and yeah, we were absolutely right. It was it was one to be had with the meal. And the Antoara, when I went back to it, actually kind of lost a bit of its like initial appeal that it had when we were mm. tasting it. And I actually found the French the day after when I had it was almost nicer when I had it with food. It was actually quite the turnaround because I was certainly not thinking that when we were just tasting them without food. They kind of, I mean, to to keep it on the food analogy, it kind of, do you know how eggs are very adaptive to whatever flavor Mm-hmm. they're next to so like you can't if you over season eggs that's all you'll taste if you put too much of anything into it mm-hmm. I, I think that's similar to some of the red wines where yeah. we were saying they lacked a certain flavor but they're actually just adaptable to whatever flavor you're you're adding next to them it reminds me actually there was a point and i know i brought this up with you um back on i think it was the first episode we were talking about old world wines being best served with meals whereas mm. new world wines are meant to be more drinkable as a standalone drink Yes. That definitely was true with these. Like they were like case in point of that. As you said, the French was adaptable. The taste kind of went with the food. It sort of mm. made it better with it. Whereas the Antwerp, the Chilean New World wine. Yeah, it was it was a different kettle of fish. So yeah. really interesting. I'm definitely finding that as we go along. So will we have a look into our wines for tonight? 
I suppose we better, you know, since oh, we, since right. we, <laughs> <laughs> you just my arm now, really. <laughs> Brilliant. So this is our first episode where we're focusing solely on a non-sparkling white wine. So Chardonnay feels like a very good place to start. It's the most widely planted white grape globally. The vines are adaptable to varying climates, making them accessible to most regions. The Chardonnay grape originated in the French Burgundy region or the Bourgogne region, as it's known in France. And even now, all white wines from this region are Chardonnay. As we have not tasted a wine from the Burgundy region before, let's take a quick look at this area. Burgundy is located in the east central part of France. Interestingly, it only produces single varietals and is most known for Chardonnay and Pinot Noir production, setting the benchmark for quality with these types of wines. This region produces some of the most collectible, sought-after wines in the world. The green grape of Chardonnay is from an apple flavour family. This type of wine ranges from pale to dark in its colour range. The Chardonnay creation Burgundy tends to be subtle tasting, whereas New World regions like Australia and California create bolder, fruitier Chardonnays. Our first option is a French Chateau de Camille Chablis. It's a Premier Cru Grand Reserve, a 2020 vintage. So it's a big step up in quality due to its Premier Cru status, as we mentioned in a previous episode. It's 100% produced using Chardonnay grapes when it comes from the Burgundy region. And our wine is produced in the Chablis appellation within Burgundy, an area where Chardonnay is produced on oaked, which basically means it's not produced in oak barrels. There are French appellations with warmer climates and new world wine regions where Chardonnay is oaked, which of course gives it a different flavour. Chablis is known to be a dry, tart white wine. Our second option, Bleasdale Adelaide Hills Chardonnay, is a 2019 vintage. Again, it's made only from Chardonnay grapes. We returned to the south of Australia for this wine. If you recall back to episode two, we tried a Grenache blend from Australia, which along with Shiraz is considered the top red wine styles in Australia. On the white wine side, Chardonnay and Riesling are considered amongst the top styles. Bleasdale was established in 1850 and it's the second oldest wine family in Australia. They produce quite a variety of wines. Their Chardonnay is an example of an oaked Chardonnay. So I'm interested to see how this will affect the tasting of this wine in comparison to our first one. So Stephen, you're having the same vintage, I believe, a 2020 French and a 2019 Australian. Yep, as I have uh, one from the before times and one from the start of the pandemonium. (laughs) Before covid and what's during COVID? B- BC, DC, and AC. <laughs> Where are we at now? Nobody quite knows. <laughs> yeah, AC kind of, DC it will really. be on our wine label soon. <laughs> so let's crack on with our first wine, the French Chateau de Camille. Cheers. It's got a lovely yellow color. I would say it's kind of on the mid to, you know, more heavy going color palette for a yellow, yellowing colored wine. I really like mm. the color. It's really, really like satisfying color. It's quite, it's, it's got, it's more potent color than what we've had with other white wines. Not that we've had that many white wines. But... Yeah, yeah. Satisfying, I think is the, is the correct. Like Very if you were to pour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a real subtle Chardonnay grape scent on the nose. 
do you know when you smell something you're like I know I'm gonna like this and I actually like to savor that then for a few more moments before I taste it because I'm like I know I'm gonna like this but I kind of want to wait and just because there's like that little bit of anticipation before you have it <laughs> so I'm taking longer than normal <laughs> to drink this one. Oh, nectar of the gods <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why you do it. this is why you get up in the morning <laughs> wow that is gorgeous first impressions I'm in. <laughs> that is smooth, Whatever you're selling, smooth. I'm buying. <laughs> it's absolutely gorgeous. Like it's quite dry and it's quite powerful, but it's I don't find it that dry actually. I well, I think I, I, I think if it depends on your palate. Like if I'm coming from a a, a mainly red wine drinking True. Yeah. establishment. True. Yeah. Um Oh my gosh, that is absolutely divine. That is the nicest white wine I've had in a long time. Mm. I think we can always um, talk about like the regret factor on a wine. Like if you drank mm. a couple of bottles of this, how much regret do you have tomorrow? <laughs> so I, I wouldn't I, because <laughs> it ain't cheap. <laughs> so yeah. I'd be like delighted with myself. Yeah, yeah. My notions. <laughs> but, um, it's, but it's very easy to drink. Holy moly. Mm, I can see yeah. that. It's dry to my taste buds, we'll say. Yeah. Um, but as you say, super satisfying. Like it's satisfying mm-hmm. in color and in taste, which is just is, yeah. the refreshment part of it. Like yes, it's very um, refreshing. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like again, I wouldn't put it as a as a lemon or lemonade, but that that hint of the re- that's the refreshment I'm I'm getting at is that like little bit of citrus piece. Yeah, I get I I I get the citrus and I get it in a really pleasant sort of back mm. of the tongue way and it's it's like key lime pie that's the big kind of aftertaste that i'm getting because i'm getting an acidic quality to it so mm. it's more tangy tart and yeah mm. like like i said like a key lime pie would be the first thing that comes to mind and when i'm actually drinking it down um like when i'm doing the the tasting it's 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 softer and then it's more acidic as it's you know as yes hundred percent yeah. left the mouth that's what i'm getting from it anyway so i would say when i'm actually smelling it's yeah, like a light end of the scale, like a like a honey. I'm not getting honey, but something like that. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so quite sort of like a light floral. I don't know. It's it's just very pleasing, and then it's it's mm. got a bit more of a kick once you've drunk it. But it's it's not it's not a really strong presence either. Sure, it isn't. It's not. No, there's no oak. Like they said, it's not oaked because it's a Chablis. Mm. The fruit intensity is probably kind of mild to flavorful like mild to mid-range it's not really yeah. strong on that it's, sense i would say it's either. so light it is so light it, it, it is it, yeah like the mouthfeel and everything's very mm. very light i think that's what makes it come across as a it's a it's a premier crew it's you know it's a really well um regarded um mm. wine on their scale of how they rate things in that area i i notice a big difference between that and other wines that we've had I really yes. do. I, that yeah. feels to me like a really fine wine, you know. And the price point on that one, it's about 30 euros. 30 euros, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that. So, yeah, it's not crazy upper end, but it's certainly not a cheap wine. You know, it's it was a little bit more than probably a good few of the ones we've had but on it. But it is worth it. I think, this is the, I think this is probably the first, as we were saying about the old world versus new world, I think this is the first old world wine that's just... On its own, I wouldn't put anything with it. You're absolutely spot on with that. 
That's a really good point. It would be good with a meal, but I think it's it stands on its own in a much more Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. And I cannot wait for the next glass of that. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> it's so lovely, isn't it? See, this oh, is gosh. the danger of like if you had a couple of them, it's just like, yeah, we're going yeah, to actually it's very, very to... easy drinkable. Um, but I am completely sold on that. And I'm looking at the label, and we were talking about that a little bit ourselves earlier. Mm. It's a really kind of charming label. I what I love about this label is I would like to drink this wine at that house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like yeah, to go out the back yeah. and look at the fire trees and just yeah, having that yeah. of this. Have and, you seen there's a this show is... called Escape to the Chateau? Have you seen that? Oh, is that where they do up the chateau? Is yeah. that the, yeah, the English, English couple? Or, yeah. Not, sorry, he's from um Northern Ireland. So they're yes. um yeah, but they went over and they bought a chateau. I'm going to say like maybe seven, eight years ago, something like yeah. that. And I've been mm-hmm, doing it up. Mm-hmm. And they just recently finished up the the show. It looks like that. <laughs> it looks yeah. like their Yeah, chateau. it does actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be so nice to drink wine at their chateau. It was just beautiful mm. the way they've done it. But um, absolutely, yeah, like a charming label. Then in comparison, our other wine has a label that I also really like. So maybe we'll get cracking with that one. Why don't we why don't we kick off with uh, yes. the second wine, the Australian Beesdale? So let's hope we enjoy the second glass as much as we enjoyed the first one. Cheers. I almost dived in there. I almost forgot myself for a moment. <laughs> drank it straight like an animal. <laughs> Can you believe it? I just drank my wine without swishing it around in the glass. <laughs> Give it a good sniff. Like there's a stronger smell on this, absolutely. Oh, 100 percent mm. Yeah. Oh, very different. And I'm now straight away getting what they mean about oaked versus unoaked. Mm. Yes. Straight yeah. away on that scent. Much more pungent. Mm. Yes, yeah. First impressions? I I I had a feeling that this would happen. I, I think the fact that the French has gone in front of um this Australian. Yep that the comparison is is very like this australian is a stand-up white absolutely i i i think it's a yeah it 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 packs a punch yeah but it packs a punch with good flavor like even now the dryness is is coming back like the the tartness of it yeah um quite again quite citrusy Mm. but more see loud is the wrong word and i'm not just get what you're saying it's quite loud It is, yeah. It's it's a much more like look at me in your face, mm. this Chardonnay, you know. It's and it's a strong, pungent, loud, um, more noticeable version. I of think that. these, yeah, and I think these less are subtle. good. Yes, less subtle, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I I think. Yeah. Um, I I would also say they're good examples of like these wines have to be chilled i think these are the best yeah, examples yeah. i have of mm-hmm. if you drank these at a slightly warmer temperature you just wouldn't get the 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 same taste or flavor oh 100 i i had chilled them for a few hours and they're delicious it's a really nice wine for me that's a gorgeous yes Chardonnay. it's uh really like you said i'm totally picking up on this we're actually getting hitting all the same notes i'm getting the citrus big time um, even like that, like I was saying, like a key lime pie, but like maybe like a grapefruit. Um, 
some quite strong citrus notes. And again, it's it's not so much, I'm getting at the back of the tongue, but it's kind of also down the sides of the mouth when I switched it around, I'm mm. feeling it a bit more, yeah. I don't know. But um, with the actual scent, it's very different. It doesn't have the same pleasing scent that I felt the French one had, but the taste is gorgeous. It's absolutely lovely. I don't know which one is going to age better over the next few days. That's very hard for me to tell at the moment. Oh yeah. Both really appealing in slightly different ways. I, I Big time, the biggest thing I'm getting, same thing as when we just smelt it for the first time, is the oak. I can really get oak in mm. such a big way yeah. from this Australian comparison to the, the French, you know, where there's no oak. It, like you were saying, it's a little, it's kind of like tangy, kind of tart mm. as well on the acidity side of things. Well, I, I, I would say it's, like the close comparison for me really is the tannins in in red wine it's mm-hmm. that it's that tartness it's not a citrus tartness it's yeah. kind of an alcohol tartness coming out from it i really like that mm. really like it it's very I, floral it's do yes. you know what it is it's the um in terms of like it doesn't have the same um color it doesn't quite have that same yellowness it's a little bit less on the scale yes that's the true as well actually yes fruit yep. intensity like when you're mm. tasting it is more powerful like it's mm. flavorful to bold rather than mild to flavorful say like yes that's one it's it's less Definitely. it just is less subtle but it's a really really nice chardonnay both of those chardonnays are gorgeous mm. i have to be honest with you like chardonnay for me was Again, I've probably said this with other ones. It's hit and miss. Like I've had Chardonnays that I'm just so just like whatever. Yeah. They're so lackluster. They're so they're not packing a punch. You know, they're just mm, white wines yeah. that you get, and you're not too bothered about. These are beautiful. Yes. These are like I'm I'm like all in on Chardonnay. I I find <laughs> me up. Get me started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like not not the Joe not the cheaper ones. I I think no. there's I I've I've so many feelings about these two bottles. I I think. <laughs> Compared to the the one thing that's really standing out at the moment about this whole thing is yeah. where where we have done sim the same grape from two mm-hmm. different regions. Yeah. These are the first two bottles of wine where the taste has been so similar. Mm-hmm. Like as mm-hmm. in it, like one is in France, one is coming from Australia, but they could have yeah. been grown next to each other. In mm-hmm. in my eyes, I'm, yeah. I'm sure flavor profile wise. Um, yeah. It, there's definitely subtleties or, or what have you, but I I just think it's fair fairly yeah. astounding that the grape would hold up so well and give mm. such a similar taste. Yeah, of two of the two different um two different bottles. Like there is yeah. a difference, absolutely, but mm. these are the two most similar I think we've had. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that we've tasted so far. Yeah. Um, which I think is just kind of pretty pretty cool yeah no i agree with you on that um i think the the big difference is how they've been stored yeah like how they've been aged and what kind of a barrel they've been in that's the big difference and like as we know from what we've learned chablis is not it's not oaked and that's the huge differentiator and like you said it could have been just in a different appellation yeah yeah (laughs) you know in france it's yeah yeah these are the objective for 
this yeah. podcast, I would say, of like going yeah. through the different regions, trying to find a nice one in mm. the certain grape and not, oh God, I'm going I'm to say some sappy stuff, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I think one, I think if you turn me into a wine drinker at the end of this, I'll be awful at night. I was a happy pint drinker and now I'm going to see some wine. I was like, I would like to read your wine list, please, and yeah, just yeah, see yeah, what's yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome so to my world. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be awful mad about that. That's great. Chardonnay, I hardly knew her. Um, so as we continue sipping away at our wines let's turn to look at our segment of the episode for this topic we're going to look at pricing which you've mentioned a little bit about and whether the amount you pay reflects the quality of the wine that you're drinking i'm drawing on a great article by wine enthusiast titled what does price say about your wine that deems the main factors that affect the price as location labor costs equipment costs aging costs vintage, winery size, and packaging. It's reasonable to assume that we can expect wines produced in smaller quantities at small-scale wineries using time and labour-intensive processes to command a higher price tag, particularly wines from regions and winemakers that are steamed and sought after, like the champagne we tried, for example. Interestingly, however, research has shown that the brain expects expensive wine to be better quality, so people judge the flavor as better, even if it actually tastes the same as a cheaper bottle. So when we're drinking an expensive bottle of wine, you may expect it to be a better wine than you actually find it to be. Even if the bottle is expensive, personal taste is very important in discerning what you're willing to pay for a bottle. Stephen, have you come across vintage charts before? I think we might have mentioned it in the champagne Yeah, episode, I think we mentioned but... it, Yeah. I think they're like a very interesting thing to draw on with this conversation mm. as the vintage can have a really large impact on the price of a wine, particularly right. old world regions mm. that tend to have like a varying climate. They basically list the wines by region and by year and they give an indicator of the quality and the drinkability of the wine. So it may be a useful thing to, you know, determine whether a particular vintage is worth shelling out for. So, for example, yeah. there's Robert Parker's vintage charts. That might be a nice place to start. So as Stephen and I have already gone through our questions that we ask our guests for this episode, we're going to take a little bit of a different approach. So I'm going to ask Stephen some wine trivia questions, which are being taken from the Bright Cellars blog, if you want to check it out. We've covered some of this info before, but it's a handy reminder and we will likely learn some interesting facts along the way. So Stephen, are you ready for your quick fire wine quiz? I take my pub quizzes very serious. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> she asks incredulously. <laughs> Wonderful. So question one. What type of French wine is typically made from Pinot Noir grapes? This is embarrassing because I think we've had one. <laughs> it, it's close though. Yeah. Um, to this region. I'll give you a clue. Uh, it begins with a B. Oh, with a B. Oh, no, that's mm. not what I had in mind at all. I was thinking Cabernet Sauvignon. A burgundy? Yes. Bing, 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 bing. Burgundy, specifically red burgundy. But yeah, well done. You got it. So what is the most widely planted grape in the world? Um, Oh, man. No, I'm going to pass on this now because it's... Absolutely fine. It is Cabernet Sauvignon. With more than 700,000 acres worldwide. So how much wine is in a standard bottle? 750 milliliters. Correct, sir. And that, for our American friends, is about 25 fluid ounces. 
And I'm going to throw in something because I know the answer to this and I'm not sure if you do. How many standard wine glasses would you have in a bottle of wine on, on average? Isn't it supposed to be six? Yes. Well done, Sarah. Because somebody was asking me about this the other day. And yes. I was like, this is one of the facts that I actually remember. <laughs> so what's the biggest kind of wine bottle? I'll be amazed if you get this. It's a hard one. Um, the biggest wine bottle that I know of is mm-hmm. a Prosecco two litre one. <laughs> <laughs> the one from LD. Yeah, yes. It's called the okay. Nebbia Cudneza. I think I'm saying that right. And it holds it... 15 litres of wine. So that's the equivalent of 20 regular bottles in a single huge bottle. You You drink that bottle? <laughs> See you in a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, was it wasn't that the um the name of the ship in the Matrix? The ship in the Matrix was the Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, for fuck's sake! Which is which is why I was because Nebuchadnezzar is, is um that. maybe they actually named it after that. Yeah, because it's the it's a it's a Bible reference. Nebuchadnezzar. The Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, I, do you know what? I'm probably saying it wrong. I'm sure that's yeah. it. I'm sure that's it. We've so. we've both pronunciations in this, so it could be turned if somebody yeah. wants to correct us. Listen, yeah. listen. We never said that we were pronouncing everything. I'm trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> trying my best. What does non-vintage or NV mean? You non- should know this. Yeah, because we covered it. But <laughs> yeah. isn't it that it's? Uh, is it that they can't guarantee, not that they can't guarantee no. the grape, but it's a certain year? Yes, bang. So the on. vintage. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Spot on. That's it. So it's yeah. it's made of a blend of grapes from different years. Yeah. Like you said, yes. they can't guarantee. Yeah. But it's the same grape, but different years. Year, yeah. What does a vertical wine tasting entail? You go up on the airplane. <laughs> Do you, you know what? <laughs> bad guess to be honest (laughs) i i didn't have a clue and when i heard the answer i went oh that's really interesting and it actually came up on the last uh podcast that we did it basically means it's tasting wines from the same vineyard or winemaker from different years ah as you might imagine it can be yes spot the differences what colors can wine be and i think this is so interesting oh my god how do you mean like do you want the number of colors or yeah um I mean, we've 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 red, we've white, we've pink. Yep, correct. Two more. Two more. Mm. You say. Yeah. I I think if well, I, I'm gonna say white because ethanol is white. Well, we've had white. You said red, white, and pink. Sorry, but yellow is what. Sorry, when I said white, I meant like the yellow of of <laughs> sorry, white when wine. I said white, I meant yellow. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. When I said white, I meant yellow. I meant yellow. How did you not know that? When I said the same color twice. I meant white wine, but yeah. Okay, so yellow, I suppose, is one that I put in. It's not. It's not yellow. Uh, I've not seen any, unless there's a purple, like a light. Yeah. I'm thinking the light. I didn't know anything about this, but then our good friend, Jackie Del Hunty, actually Uh suggested about doing i'm thinking about doing some specials i won't go into that too much now i'm thinking about doing some specials when this uh, season wraps up and she said why don't you do something about like summery wines or orange or blue wines which are the other colors i'm gonna say blue yeah 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 so there we go (laughs) so which country has the largest area of vineyard oh man um, it's a hard one, and I would not have got it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. A little hint: it's an old world country. 
it's an old world country. In fact, it's a European country. Let's go there. Yeah, because I was, I mean, instinctively, I was going to say France. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with France because that was my that was my initial yeah. guess. Listen, I would be there with you probably with yeah. one of the big ones. It's not, it's Spain. They have yeah. about 1,154,000 hectares of vineyards throughout the country. It's a big country mm. though, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, it is. It is, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then our last uh, question, yeah. Stephen, you're almost nah. there. How much wine is consumed throughout the world each year? Um, like what? <laughs> how much wine? Yeah. Um, I oh my god. Uh, I'm trying to think. What is the metric here? Is is it in? Is it in liters. tons, kgs, or liters? Okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with 1.6 billion liters. Good guess. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of you're not there, but it's not. Yeah. So <laughs> you're completely wrong. But <laughs> no, no, no. It's 24.7 billion liters of wine. 24.7 oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and i mean it, it depends on the year as well because it was a bad year if, last it was, year. if it was that fucking 2016 shit from <laughs> nobody was drinking at that shirt was way down <laughs> that was good fun now i have to say you did very well you did you got you got a couple i think you probably mm. got more than i would have got <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, to wrap up this episode, thank you again, Stephen, for joining us. Next month, we'll be back for the final episode of the season. We'll be tasting two dessert wines, the Italian Iveroni Vincento del Chianti Rufina. Wow, that was a mouthful. And the Australian Jeff Hearty Fortified Muscat. So catch you on the flip side. Can't wait. <laughs>